0: chapter 13 and verse 15. So they're in the synagogue. It's the Sabbath day. And after reading from the law and the prophets, the synagogue rulers sent word to them saying, brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. So standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, men of Israel and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me the God of the people of Israel, chose our fathers. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. The mighty power, he led them out. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. He endured their conduct for about 40 years in the desert. He overthrew seven nations in Canaan and gave them the land to his people as an inheritance. And all this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them the judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled for 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And from this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel, the Savior Jesus, as he promised. So let's just pause here for a little moment. What's been happening? Paul's been asked to bring an encouraging word into the church, into the synagogue, and he's really taken them on a history lesson, hasn't he? God has done this. God has done this. God has done this. God has done this. And now he arrives at Jesus. So pick it up again with me, verse 24. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel as John was completing his work, he said, "'Who do you think I am? "'I am not that one, but he who is coming after me, "'whose sandals I am not worthy don't I? Brothers, children of Abraham, and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus. Yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for death, for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to exec- for him to be executed. And when they carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem they are now as witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our fathers, He has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second Psalm, you're my son, today I have become your father. And the fact that God raised Him from the dead, never to decay, is stated in these words. I will give you the holy and sure blessing Promised to David. And so it is stated elsewhere you will not let your Holy One see decay. For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his fathers and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my brothers, and this is really important at this moment, verse 38, he's reaching his, his high point of his argument, verse 38. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. Take care. What the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, the scoffers wander and perish." for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. And so that's the end of the the message of encouragement, and then we'll keep reading through the text here. So as Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. And when the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. And on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. And when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. The Jews were inciting God-fearing women of high standing and leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the region. So they shook the dust off their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Well please do open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter thirteen. And I know that this morning it was a particularly long reading and if you're coming to a cold, you're probably thinking, What on earth is going on? It's hard to get a handle on it. Uh, And well for the number the next number of weeks we are going to be in Acts, so please do try and uh, read ahead as we as we follow this story together. But uh, hopefully by the time we're finished today we'll be able to understand what's going on here in Acts chapter thirteen. So here's a question for you this morning. What would you follow someone down the road for after church? What would you follow someone down uh, down the hill here at Hell Street for? What would you chase after them for? For some it might be a simple answer like ice cream. You might run after somebody for that. Not on a cool day, maybe like this morning, but who knows? Some people like it in all weather. Maybe it would be if If Cool FM were at the bottom of the street and they promised that you could win the Cool FM cash call that everybody seems to have been entering over Christmas and New Year. Maybe someone was able to offer you chocolate, and it was chocolate that wouldn't put on calories. You would chase them down the road for that. You'd say, yeah, especially if it tastes like Galaxy or Cadbury, you'd think, give me some of that. Or maybe we'd have a more serious answer. We would would chase someone down the road, wouldn't we, and, and follow them down the road if they if they told us that they had the cure for cancer. We would follow them down the road if they told us that they had the cure for pain, pain in our joints. We maybe would chase someone down the road if they promised they could help in our marriage, if they could help with our children, or if they could give us the best advice on how to just get by. What would you beg someone for? beg someone that they would come back next week and tell you more about it, because that's exactly what happens in our passage. You see, in verse 44, almost the whole city gathered to hear Jesus, and in verse 42, as they were leaving the, the synagogue, people were begging them, please tell us more, Now, we live in a world of influencers. I don't know who your desired influencer is. I'm sure you follow them on YouTube or on Instagram or whatever it may be. There's people that we follow that influence us. But sadly, for so many of us here today, we would not have the response that we see in Acts chapter 13 to this question. For many of us, the gospel would be pretty low down the list. What would we follow someone down the street for? To hear more about Jesus? Uh, We'll take or leave that but the gospel is what we need. It's what we crave for, and yet, yet we don't yearn it. We don't fight to hear it. We come along to church, and I know that the second that the sermon starts, we're already uh, thinking about something else. Our minds are, are pinging off to different places. We don't listen on the edge of our seats to the Word of God. Sure we don't. The gospel told to us and explained to us, the gospel applied to us, forgiveness of our sins declared, the treasure chest of who Jesus is and what he has done for us, the almighty sovereign holy God on display for us, week after week at church. This is a, an amazing thing that we sit in on, week after week, as we gather together the church militant on earth, joining with the church triumphant in glory to worship our God, this truly is a remarkable thing. And yet, does it grasp us? Does it hold us? On a nice day, we might say, well, sure, we'll go for a walk instead. On a rainy day, we'll go for a coffee instead of coming to church. On a cold day, sure, we'll just light the fire. On a warm day, we'll light the barbecue. See, there's any list of of alternatives for our our unpredictable weather in Northern Ireland, isn't there? But what I want us to see today is what these people see in Acts 13. And it's this, that the gospel is what we need more than anything else. The good news of Jesus is what we need more than anything else. What he is like, what he has done, and the difference that that makes to our lives. So look at verse 15. Verse 15 of our passage, they're in the synagogue, they're in the the, the Jewish synagogue, and the leaders say, give us a word of encouragement. Bring us a word. So what will they say? What will their message be? Well, this is what our first point is. Jesus is the message. Jesus is the only message. You see, what would the world answer this with? Give us a a word of encouragement. What would the world say? They might say, chin up. Some people might say, manifest good thoughts, and everything will be better. A word of encouragement, maybe go and buy a lottery ticket and cross your fingers. Or maybe the world would just say, we don't know, we don't really have an answer, and they would shrug their shoulders. It is what it is. Just live your life. But here we see that there is a great message, the message, the only message of encouragement, and it's found in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 2 of of chapter 13 with me. Let's let's chart this a little bit, fill in the background. The Holy Spirit speaks in in chapter 13 and verse 2, and He sets apart Barnabas and Saul, who's Paul, for the work. And in verse 3, what do we see? They have their hands laid on them by others. that are ordained effectively into the work, and then they're sent out but what are they sent out with? What's their message going to be? Well, it's not P and B, Paul and Barnabas's. It's not their their 10 top tips for living a better life. They don't go out with the message of health, wealth, and prosperity. Their message isn't try a little harder, be a little better. Their message isn't give us money and you'll be okay. It's not be a good Jew and keep the law and everything will be fine. It's not seeking justice for Jesus. They're not trying to garner support for a political revolution. They go with none of these things. Instead, what's their message? Their message is simply this, Jesus. Everything's about Jesus. The whole of history is about Jesus. Jesus is the climax of biblical history, of world history. All of history points to him. All of history, as we sometimes teach our kids, is his story. History has a focus, a destiny, and it's about one man, the son of God. And so Sinclair Ferguson says this, Jesus is the center and the climax of all of God's purposes in history. He's right at the center. He's the climax, the pinnacle of it. And so it seems strange, doesn't it? A word of encouragement, Paul, and you take us on a history lesson. Why are, you, why are you doing that? Well, let's chart it. Verses seventeen through eighteen. What does he start to say? He says, "Look, look at the God that we serve. The God of verse seventeen, the God of the people of Israel, chose our fathers, and then this little refrain that runs through it: He made, He made." Verse 19, he overthrew. Verse 18, he endured. Do you see how it's all about the Lord? The Lord working. And so in verses 17 to 18, he's the the God of the exodus and that Jesus is coming to bring us, as we thought last week, the greater exodus. Verse 20, Jesus, as the judges are are appointed on Israel, it points towards Jesus. The kings that are given point towards Jesus. Verse after verse, after a verse of this history lesson, pointing us towards Jesus. And then verse 28, we're told about Jesus. He's the sinless one. He was crucified. Verse 30, God raised him from the dead. Verse 32, this is the good news. This is the good news. And so what Paul's trying to help the people to see is that this isn't just a, a message that appeared out of nowhere. Christianity and and our beliefs in the Lord Jesus Christ are not just a a little thought, a trivial little thought in the wind. These are robust, connected thoughts, connected parts of history. Right from the Exodus through Egypt into the Promised Land, through the judges and the kings, this has all been about Jesus. It's all being tied together in Jesus this is not just fluff. This is not just some notion. Jesus is the high point of all of history, Paul argues. He's the God man around which all of history spins. And then he shows us how this prophecy has been fulfilled. What is prophecy? It's something that has been spoken years and years and years and years beforehand that Jesus then fulfills. So look at verse 33. God would send his own king. Verse 34, he would be a universal king. Verse 35, it would be, uh, he would be an eternal and an everlasting king. And all of these things come true. And Paul's trying to say them, say this to them. If, if he had a PowerPoint, he'd be throwing it up on the PowerPoint for them, wouldn't he? Slide after slide. He's holding up a big card to their face and saying, look, see this? This is about Jesus. And then the next one, see this, this is about Jesus. See this, Jesus fulfilled this. See this, this was speaking about Jesus. He repeats it time and time again. Jesus came, Jesus died, and Jesus rose. And so that's the message. That's the message for us today at the start of a new year. It's all about Jesus. So verse 34 and verse 37, what does he do? Paul argues here that the resurrection changes everything. This is the key. The resurrection has to change everything. The resurrection proves that Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus really can be trusted today for us because of the resurrection. Jesus The one who says he is the Son of God can be trusted because he rose from the grave like no one else could. Jesus really is the only one who can change our lives today because he rose from the grave. If Jesus didn't rise from the grave, then we're wasting our time. And that's Paul's argument. Look, this man is like no other, he's the Son of God. His identity is confirmed in his resurrection. And so the message is this. Jesus Christ comes into the world to save sinners. It's all about Jesus. And the messenger is saying, do not miss him. Don't miss him. What does it mean for us today? What does this message of encouragement mean for us? It means this. Jesus Christ really is the Son of God. And Jesus Christ really did come into the world to save us. Jesus Christ came into the world to extend to you and extend to me everlasting life. This is the message. That Jesus, the guiltless one, comes for people like us who are guilty. He's the sinless one who comes for the sinful. He's the everlasting one who comes for us people who are dying. He's the good shepherd. It comes for the lost sheep. He's the good news to broken people. He's the Savior. And this is the message, isn't it? This is the message that we preach week after week. This is the message that we're committed to here at Hill Street. Just like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 23, the Jews demand signs and the Greeks seek wisdom, but what do we do? We preach Christ and Him crucified. And in Romans 1 and verse 16, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? It's the power of God on the salvation. So Jesus really is the message. But more than that, Jesus really is the answer. He really, really is the answer that we need. It's the message that we proclaim, but it's the answer that we need. And this is verses 38 to 39, the, the verses that I paused at as we read them together, because in these verses, we start to hear about forgiveness. Now, let's think about forgiveness. This is super important for us this morning. I'm going to try and illustrate it for you. A number of years ago, whenever I was a teenager, I was uh, at my friend's house, and I was standing in his kitchen just like this And my hand was on one of the the drawers or one of the the pull-out drawers in his kitchen. And I was sort of fiddling with the handle. You know, as you do, the handle that goes up and down, up and down. You're fiddling with it, right? And he left the room, and I was left in the room alone. And here I was just standing, minding my own business, fiddling with this handle. And the handle came off in my hand, right? And here I am thinking, oh, goodness, what am I going to do now? (laughs) <laughs> I've just broken this kitchen, and your, your mind starts going, you're trying, you're fiddling as quickly as you can, you don't want to turn around, because that'll admit, and if they come through the door, you're going to be caught red-handed, and you're, you're trying to fiddle behind your back, trying to fix this handle into this kitchen, you're thinking, I'm never going to be able to pay for this, it's this a beautiful kitchen, I'm a teenager, got about five quid in my name, and my piggy bank, and it's all in two Ps, uh, what's going to happen, right, and then you, uh, for me, I heard him coming up the hallway, it was a friend of mine, it was his daddy, And he's coming up the hallway and I'm thinking, please, please get this back together. And he comes into the kitchen and I'm caught. What am I going to do? So I'm still fiddling at it. And then I just have to admit, I'm really sorry I've broken your whole kitchen. (laughs) This handle has come off of my hand. Please don't make me pay for the whole kitchen. (laughs) Please, please, please have mercy on me. That's a little bit like us, right? Our lives are a little bit like the handle and we're living in God's world, and we realize that we've actually, we've broken God's perfect law, God's perfect way, and we're sitting with the pieces in our hands, and we're desperately trying to put it all back together, and we know that we can't. We've got the super glue out. We've got the tape out. We're trying to put these pieces back together as quickly as possible, trying to make amends, and we just can't do it. And as it were, we hear him coming down the hallway. We hear God approaching us. And we think, this is it. We're never going to be able to pay for this. What's he going to do? He's going to punish us. And as God steps into the room of our lives, and as Jesus sees the mess of all of our broken pieces, all the mess that we have made of his law and of his perfect world, what does he do? Well, we expect our our initial reaction is we expect them to scold us. But that's not Jesus' reaction. Look at verse 38. I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. That through Him, everyone who believes is justified from everything, that you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. What does God do with our mess of our broken pieces in our hands? He comes and He says, I'm going to pay the price for the damage. I'm going to send my son to pay the price. And Jesus comes to us and He says, I have paid the price. Won't you accept it from me? Won't you accept forgiveness from my hands? That, that, that cold sweat that comes on us as we try to fix things and we know what we can't, our heart racing, our, our heads worried, anxious and distressed, and God says, give it to me. Forgiveness available, not punishment. Forgiveness. And so actually what we need more than anything else, whether we recognize it or not, is verse 38. This is our greatest need, to have our sins forgiven. Can you imagine if there was a letter went out or a, a post went out on Facebook and it said, everyone by the name of John could arrive at the middle of Town Center and all, all the things that you have ever done will be wiped from everyone's mind. Every sin that you've ever committed could be wiped out. I wonder how many of us Johns would turn up into the town center. We'd all be there, wouldn't we? Please wipe it out. Please forgive it. Please deal with this. And here's Jesus today, and he says, forgiveness is available. And, and you know what? I, I think we really struggle with this, don't we? We struggle to believe that Jesus actually will forgive us. But uh, there's a, a, a true story. A friend of mine who's a minister, he, he met with one of his friends, and his friend, who is a Christian, was really worried, really burdened by things that he had done, sin that he had committed, and he couldn't get past it. He couldn't understand the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus. And so my friend asked him to write it down on a piece of paper. And he wrote down a sin on a piece of paper. And he said, will you give it to me? And so he gave it to his friend. And his friend took out a lighter. My friend took out a lighter. And he lit the piece of paper. And it dissolved in front of him. And he said, that is your sin. In the light of Jesus Christ, if you have repented of your sin, if you have asked Jesus for your forgiveness, Jesus, please forgive me. He takes the piece of paper with all of our sins written on it, and he sets flame to it, and it dissolves. It disappears, forgotten about, dealt with. Forgiveness, freedom. And see, this is our deepest, darkest need. All our sins. The sins and the the shame that we bear, the guilt that we have, all of the mistakes that we have, all of the skeletons that, that are there in our closet the ones that haunt us, that come up time and time again. We can try and bury them, but they come back. All we have to do is look around at some of the people that we have hurt and wronged, and we're reminded of our sin. This is the, this is the message. This is the means that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. This is good news. forgiveness today for all who call upon the name of the Lord freedom. That weight of sin lifted off our backs, dealt with forever. And you're saying to me, but John, there's, there's so many other questions today. Well, what about this, and what about that, and what about this, and what about that? Well, we'll work through them, right? We'll get to them. But you need to know that above all else today, that there is forgiveness for you from your sin. This is the news today. Weight that can be lifted off you forever, dealt with forever and the Lord doesn't want you to carry it anymore. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And in a word, as we close, what do we see in this passage? And it's going to happen here today. I could, I could preach here for the next three hours, and you're all begging me not to, and, and, and pre- preach about forgiveness, asking and pleading with you, trying to illustrate it in the best way I could that you, that you need this today above all else. And yet in this room will, would be the exact same division that we see in chapter 13. Because in chapter 13, towards the end of it, you see here verses 40 through to the end of the chapter, the message has gone out. Jesus is the message, forgiveness available. And you think, well, surely everybody will believe, but they don't. And so in verse 42, what do we have? Well, verse 42, some people are begging him to come back begging Paul and Barnabas to keep teaching them, to keep explaining things, to tell us more. We need this. We want it. Verse 44, it spreads throughout the whole city. Nearly the whole city turn up to hear the word the next week. But look at verse 41 and 40. Take care. Take care. Because some of you will scoff. Some of you will scoff at this word. And then we see what happens in this city as the Word of God spreads. Look at verse 50. The Jews incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution. What do we see today in this very room as in this town in Antioch? There'll be two divisions. People will go one way or they will go the other on this. Some will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see it? Uh, in verse, uh, at the end of the, the chapter, that, that people are, are delighting in the Lord as it spreads, and people are, are believing in the good news. Verse 48, when they heard it, they were glad and they honored. ESV says that they rejoiced. They, they glorified God. They're believers. They're saved. And yet others, others turn against Jesus. And so it is in this room that today as we go out through the back doors, as it were, there's two paths. And for some, some will reject this news of forgiveness, this life-changing news, this best news that will transform your heart, transform your life, give you a relationship with our God, because it really is true and you'll walk away here, and you'll think of all of the excuses under the sun, why not to come? And you'll reject the Savior. And then for others, you'll cling to the Savior today. And you'll say, Jesus, I thank you so much because I have made such a mess. Jesus, I thank you that I could never put the pieces back together, but you put them back together. You forgive us. You deal with our record. Our sin's forgiven. The weight lifted off our shoulders. And we'll leave in praise and in wonder and in worship of our Savior. Acts chapter 13. The message, Jesus Christ. And the means, Jesus Christ, on the salvation. Forgiveness of our sin. Then the division. And you know what? If you're a Christian here today, maybe you haven't had confidence in the Word of God. You don't have confidence to share this Word. Look at this passage. There's persecution in it. This whole city comes to hear. There's hunger and there's hostility. And yet, they keep going, don't they? Look at how the disciples leave filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. Christian today, leave Hill Street full of joy in the Holy Spirit, saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have confidence in this message because what do we see? that the, As the word spread, there are those who were appointed to believe. God has his people waiting, people that he wants to save all around us. We just got to tell them. Tell them this message. You can have the forgiveness of your sins and Jesus will save you by his grace. What a great message for us today, isn't it? A wonderful message in Acts chapter 13. The gospel unleashed, spreads to the very ends of the earth. Jesus changing people's lives, one home at a time. Then towns and villages and cities changed by His grace.